0: Tonight we get to wrap up our really fun, exciting, maybe a little long, you'll be okay, series on Exodus and then kind of closing with the Ten Commandments. And so I'm excited about this because I like to close a chapter or close a series and look forward to what's coming next. And so though we're still working on what's coming next. uh, I have an idea and if it pans out to be what I think it's going to be, I think you're going to really enjoy it. So uh, more on that coming soon. But tonight we're going to finish this up. Now a couple things I want to say just to remind you, for those of you that maybe came later on or maybe came in the summer, you've, you've missed a good chunk of at least what happened with the people in Exodus, particularly the people of Israel. They have actually gone from pure slavery over a course of hundreds of years to freedom as God through Moses and Aaron has led them out. And so for, I don't know, 12, 15 weeks, we spent just going through that and looking at all the marvelous uh, ways that that applies to us and can encourage us and can challenge us. And so uh, all that's available. You might want to go back and, and catch up on that. But then we landed on really what's happening is kind of a family meeting, and God has gathered Moses, Aaron, and the people, and he is laying in front of them these Ten Commandments, these laws. And the idea is, hey, if you'll follow these, this is going to help you live. Remember, they've been in slavery under, uh, under Egypt for years. They've never had freedom. And we all know that with too much freedom, you find yourself in trouble, right? You were thinking, and I said it for you. You find yourself in trouble, and so what God's doing is, let me put some parameters up. Let me guide you. Let me show you how to do this life to do it well, but also how to honor me at the same time, and so that's really what we've seen with the Ten Commandments. Not the end tonight, I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts as we close to just help us wrap our minds around uh, law and, and things like that that I think are really important before we... Go, But that's essentially what has happened. So we've covered really one through eight of the Ten Commandments. And so we're going to cover nine and ten tonight and do that uh, fairly quickly. But I think it'll be encouraging. So if you have your Bibles, you want to open Exodus chapter 20. That's where we'll be. We'll bounce around a little bit just to get some kind of supporting verses. So if you want to just plan to maybe jot those down, that's fine too. But uh, however you feel, let's uh, jump in this together. Let's start with number nine. Let's look at verse 16. It says this. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now this right here uh, is often translated into the simple verbiage of do not lie. And that is accurate. But I want to say for a moment where the original kind of basis was coming from, this is really in regards to legal standings. This is really talking to those who would stand in on behalf of someone as a witness to make sure that they would speak the truth and only the truth. Now we know that's important in court, but why do you think it's so important back then? Well, if you think about it, they didn't have cameras. They didn't have forensic tools to go back and see, did someone lie or did they tell the truth? They didn't have all of the things that we have now. and So even more, then it is now a witness's statement was so vital in the decision process of what happened in a legal affair. And so really what Moses or what God's trying to do through Moses to these people is say, listen, when you speak, what comes out of your mouth needs to be the truth. In particular, when we are dealing with each other, because you could either make or break someone's life. How many of you know someone that by a few things that were said about them that were not true, that it devastated them, if not their entire life for a long time? Anybody? Anybody had an experience like that, maybe? It is so crazy to think how just a few words can really change A person's image in a group of people, even with just one person. And so what I want to do tonight is um, I want to show you just kind of a couple of thoughts on this. And then I want to extend it a bit to maybe be a little bit more relatable to us today, which would be really talking about just lying in general. But to be sure we're true to the text, if you ever go to court as a witness... What God is saying is you better tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God. You may know that verbiage. This is what they're talking about. It is based on this moment that we need you to be honest. Now, let's look at a couple of things. First, let me show you this. This is really important. God hates lying. God hates lying. If you want to turn there, you can. If not, just listen. Proverbs 6 16 says there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are abomination to him: haughty eyes, a lying tongue. It goes on, but I want to stop there. God hates lying. Let's think about that for a minute. Why would why would God hate lying? And we know God hates sin, so we understand that, but if we could take away just the overall sin as a massive problem for God because he's perfect. Let's just look at why would God say he hates lying? Well, when we lie, we are speaking the language, not of Almighty God, but of Satan. Every lie that comes out of your mouth and mine is the language of Satan. John eight forty four 44 says, is talking about Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. There's a lot of reasons why God hates lying, but one big one is is that when we say lies, we are speaking the things of Satan, not of our father, God. That's kind of a problem. I don't ever want to be seen as something connected to Satan. I always want to be connected to God. So lying is a problem. God hates lying. Lying also, when we lie against someone, which is really the heartbeat of this commandment. When we lie against, say something that's false against someone. One, it's like assaulting a child or an elder woman. Now, not some older women can take care of themselves, all right? But you get the picture of someone that really couldn't defend themselves. Why? Because most of the time, if you or I are saying something about someone else, we're doing it what? Behind their back where they couldn't defend themselves, they couldn't protect themselves, they couldn't correct an incorrect word or an incorrect statement about their life. And so what we're doing is assaulting someone that has no way to defend themselves. It's a big deal. I remember a few years ago, I was uh, doing a message on Jonathan and David. And um, if you've I will to say this carefully now because of the story that took place. Um, let me say this and then I'll explain to you what happened. So what happened in this story is that a girl either was here or wasn't here. I don't know if she was, and I'm gonna try really carefully to like uphold the 10 Commandments right now. Um, but this girl, for whatever reason, whether she didn't like underground, was being forced to come, or fell asleep while I was teaching, I'm not sure which one it was, went home and told her mom that I said that Jonathan and David were gay. So you can imagine the email that I got not even the next morning. I mean that night, boom, really long email and and she said that because what I did is, if, and, and I said this to you so you'll understand, if you were to go Google Jonathan and David in the scripture, there's a lot of people that like to try to argue that they had some kind of homosexual relationship. And so immediately at the beginning of the message, I addressed that to make sure we cleared that up. But somehow that got confused. And so she went home, and I can't remember if it was mom or grandma's a while ago, and so an email came to me. But it went up the chain. Because before I could even tell anybody else, My boss called me into his office and said, hey, we got to talk. And I said, there's no way it can be about this. In my mind, I'm thinking, there's no way it could be about this email. There's absolutely no, hey, I got this email. Oh, my goodness, are you kidding me? And so he went through this whole thing, and, and, you know, he wasn't necessarily pointing fingers. He just said, hey, this was said. I don't know if you said it. I really hope you didn't, but let's talk about this, what happened. Now, by the grace of God, we were filming back then. And so I was able to take the video and to fast forward to that point, show my boss, and he goes, What in the world? And so we sent it to the lady, and all was good. And I think the daughter was just trying to get out of coming and took a low blow. But what if there hadn't been evidence of that being inaccurate? Could you imagine if my boss decided that, you know what, I kind of believe maybe you might have said that. And what if I had lost my job? What if people's image had radically changed because of a few words that were what? Really, they were taken out of the room. They were just twisted in the wrong direction. So we can see how brutal this can be. Now, you know that. And some of us go, well, this has happened to me. So what are you going to do about them? Here's the point. This isn't about them. It's about us. It's about what we can do to take care of and to love each other better. Remember the last couple commandments. It's about dealing with our horizontal relationships. Now, some of us may not go to those extremes, but the reality is we've probably all twisted a few words, said something the way it wasn't quite said, or maybe even added a few things to make sure somebody got what they deserved, or we looked good in front of a group of people or a person. And what God is saying is, regardless of the category, lying is not what I want my people to be about, especially when it's against other people, and in particular, against other believers. God is so serious about this. I'll tell you the last thing, just kind of as a thought. When we lie against someone, what we're doing, this is a little extreme, but I'll use it, is we're assaulting God's creation, particularly if you said something to degrade or to cut down you are assaulting the very thing the very person that god created out of his loving nurturing father heart and when we lie about other people we assault that that's not how god operates god loves every one of us and everyone that's not in this room and so when we do this now i'm not trying to overtop this but i want you to feel it because it's easy to go hey i want you guys to be sure you don't lie everybody got that you got that we good okay let's go home we'll get some starbucks Or we could sit down for a minute and say, hey, let's open up this door for a second and let's just make sure that what you thought was lying and what God may be helping us to see tonight are connected. That there may be something going on in your world, some things you are saying or have said about people that you didn't pick up on, but God is telling you tonight, I don't want you to do that anymore. In fact, I want you to go fix that tonight. I want you to make a phone call. I want you to send a message. I want you to pull someone aside, maybe even go across this room tonight and I want you to sit down with someone I want you to clear this up because it matters it matters to God now there's a couple ways we fall into this let me just blow through this really quickly Uh, number one flattery flattery is a way we don't think of very much right maybe pumping somebody up saying a, a couple of good things if it's for the intention of manipulation there's a problem okay flattery though uh could be a good thing in a limited portion when we extend it to get something out of it to manipulate a situation or a purpose a person the reality is we're lying and again like we've seen with all these commandments there is no exception so some of the gentlemen in the room may be going okay so what if my girlfriend or good girlfriend that hopefully will one day be my girlfriend but that's another story comes up and says, how do I look in these jeans? I would say to you, your eyes are in the wrong place, first of all, no, I'm just kidding. But what if, what, if a, what if a sweet girl comes up and says, hey, what do you think about my shirt? Do you like it? And inside you go, I don't like it. Mainly because I'm a guy and I don't like any of that. But there's something about that shirt that I don't, so what do we do? Is there a good lie? I mean, it sounds like a good lie, right? I, you look great. You look great. And then you go, wait a minute, do I say the truth in love? How do I say the truth in love? Because I don't think she's going to see love. She's just going to see the truth, and then she's going to see the hatred, and then we'll never be friends. And there's this, the reality is, God always wants us to be kind and courteous, but God doesn't want us to lie. And so, Sarah and I have, have a good deal. If I wear something that she doesn't like, she'll... Hey, why don't you? Why don't you try another shirt on? <laughs> and I go, "It's a great idea." A matter of fact, burn it. Don't even want to see it again. All's good. And she does the same thing. In fact, if we ever go shopping, she'll say, "Do you do you like it or do you like it?" Because if you don't if you just like it, you got when you get married, you understand there's like different likes. If you just like it, I'm gonna put it back. But if you like it, I don't have to worry about when I put this on later, does he like it or not? See, there's this balance. And so at the end of the day, now, now, we never want to be rude, of course, but at the end of the day, God says, I don't want you to lie. I want your words that come out of your mouth to mean something. And so you got to navigate that carefully and hopefully someone won't do that to be mean to you tonight because that would be mean, but nonetheless. Flattery is an area. Deception, this is a big one, guys. When we change a few words around, like the girl did to me, took words I did say but flip them around to say a completely different story. And we know we got problems with that with the news and the politics and all of that. We're not dealing with them, we're dealing with us. We're dealing with us. Another thing to be careful of in this category is hearing, a, hearing something about someone but not being 100% sure if it's true. If you're not sure it's true, you don't say anything. They call that tail bearing, if you want a term to help you think about that later with friends. If you don't know, leave it alone. All right? and, and I've done this before, I'll be honest. Many times. I heard something and I go, that makes sense. That seems like something he would do. Yep. It's got to be what he did. And then later on, I find out, you know what? He actually didn't do that, but I just assumed because I didn't have all the facts. So we want to be careful with this. We want to be sure we're not part of deception. Also, in deception, you have false teaching. This is an extension into our spirituality. We talk to you guys all the time. Just because we're saying something to you from the stage, Now, I am telling you that I work very hard to make sure what I present to you is as godly and biblical as it possibly can. But you always need to be careful. Whether it's me or anybody else, if someone is teaching you something, you take everything carefully and you line everything up with the word of God to make sure that it's truth, so that you aren't led astray. This is a huge deal. And so false teaching falls in this. Last little category is just slander. And this is the, the straight up lie to harm someone. We've all done it in the room, most likely. Someone made us mad, and we just said, well, you know what? Let me tell, boom. This is what the Lord is asking you and I to refrain from, even if they deserve it. Because most of the time, if you went that way, they probably deserved it. But we're not the judge. God's got to deal with that. And so God is trying to protect our community and protect our relationships and to make sure. Now, there's one thing I wanted to point out just for fun, but to help us navigate this. In fact, this was a great illustration last night. So I was upstairs working on the message for this evening, and Sarah texted me and said, hey, dinner's ready. Now, 99.9% of the time when she says dinner's ready, that means it's on a plate sitting either. Well, let's be honest. We don't sit at the table. I'd like to make you think we do, but we don't on the couch, ready for me to devour and watch whatever show or maybe movie or whatever, or just to sit there and chat, whatever we decided to do that night. And, and so when I came downstairs, she had cooked dinner. It was fully hot and ready, but it was on the stove in the little tray that it was cooked in. It was one of those little throw-in-the-oven-cooked girls, trust me, you need to invest in these things, they're worth it. Throw it in the oven, cooks, potatoes, meat, all the good things, but it was in the tray. And so I sat down on the couch, and then I was kind of thinking, and I was like, technically, Based on our history, she lied. Because dinner wasn't ready. It was red. Wasn't ready, it was red. The Y wasn't quite there yet. It was cooked, but it wasn't where it was normally supposed to be. Now, did she lie? No, she didn't lie. Of course, You didn't lie, don't worry. She's like, you know, we'll talk about this later. And I'll tell you if you'll ever get dinner again. No, she didn't lie. Right? So I could take this and I could get up here and say, I'm sorry, guys, my wife's a liar. And from now on, you just need to know that whenever you look at the pastor's wife, she actually is a liar. And I'm really sorry. And because of one little situation that really wasn't true, but how we looked at it. Now, there's another side of this, and that's the malice, where you did intentionally do something, you did intentionally lie, you did intentionally twist some things. What's the difference? The difference may be between a mistake and malice. It's the heart. It's the heart. That's the bottom line root of all of this. What is the heart behind what you are saying? Is it possible to make mistakes? You bet. Is it possible to have a situation that looks gets a little funky and it was hard to kind of decipher? Did you do that right? Did you do it wrong? What's good? Then we look at the heart and we say, hey, where was your heart in that? Did you mean to do this? Were you extending something? Were you adding something? Were you getting a little hostile because you wanted to make sure that something took place? Or were you simply just going through a typical situation, but you found yourself in a place you didn't intend to be? It's about the heart. And so we want to be really careful there, but I want to show you this, and that is that God is really serious about this. Look at what it says in Matthew 12, 36. It's not going to be on the screen, but let me just share this with you. It says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. So in case you were going, pretty much made it through the checklist, haven't really done any of that lately, let's take that kind of standard and place it back on this category in our lives. Why? Because we love God. We want to honor him. And we want to love and honor each other. That's your family, your friends, the people here at church, the people you work with. This is how we should live our life. And for those of you that are your, the speak your mind folks, let me just remind you, Christian maturity is not the ability to speak your mind whenever you want Truly, maturity is found with those that know when to speak and how to do it in love. That's the balance. And so it's okay. Look, we need, let's be honest, we need truthful people in our life. Amen? You need truthful people in your life. You don't need the people that go, oh my gosh, you look great. And they're like, oh, don't wear that. I mean, you you need people. Hey, you said something that was silly. No one comes up and says anything to you. You never knew. You never learned. You never were able to not make that same mistake. So we need honest people, but we also need the honest, bold people to be very tactful and to be very, very careful. And so take that as an encouragement. Let's transition quickly into number 10. This is the last one, the final commandment. It says, do not covet. Let me look at, let me look at verse 17 with you. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or, or his girlfriend or her boyfriend for y'all now in this season of life. Or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox—you could translate that now modern terms to his car or her car, or his donkey—I don't even know—or anything that is your neighbor's. What is God trying to say? I don't want you to look at anything that you don't have and say, "I just wish I could have that." What does it mean to covet? This may hurt. Is to—it's tr- to want more than what God has already given you. Now, most people do a whole message and then they kind of end with that line so you can think about it. No. If I were gonna translate to covet to you, it would be for you to want more than what God has already given you. Modern translation, for those of you that wanna tweet that, you are unhappy. You are unpleased. You are ungrateful. You have missed how good God has been to you. Now we could say, what about this and what about that and what about this and why did God let this happen and why did God do that? And all of that, there's, there's some reasoning for that that some could explain, others we can't explain. But the point is, when we look at the world and then we look back at ourselves, we see that God has been a good God. Life isn't perfect, but that's all based in sin. And growing in times of trials and tests and that's a wonderful thing but God has been good to us. To covet is to want more than what God has given you. Now, this is really interesting. This is the first and only commandment that actually doesn't deal with an action. It's simply the heart. Very interesting. All the others are action-based. In fact, in most other religious kind of moral codes, a command or a law or a request like this isn't even there. It's typically always based in action. But yet God in the 10th commandment says, I don't even want your heart to desire something that you do not have. This is very interesting. Now, what does God say? Let me show you two things. One's about money. One's just in general. Hebrews 13, 5 says, keep your life free from love of money and be, here's the word, content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Luke 12, 15 says, and he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Man, God is so clear. I've given you everything you could need. Is there stuff you want? Of course. But I've given you everything that you need. Be grateful and watch as I continue to to work in your life. Does that promise a BMW? No, some of you don't even want a BMW, that's okay. Does it promise a great car, great house, all of that? No, but does God take care of his people? Yes, he does. He really, truly does. What's one of the most dangerous questions you can ask? If you could have anything in the world, what would it be? I'm not asking you, I want you to think about it. That question right there, as soon as your mind started to think about it, guess what you just did? You were coveting something that you didn't have. Now, it's a fun question, but in all honesty, it's a question that sets up this door to be open. Here's another one. If you could be anything you wanted to be, any job or any career, what would it be? What would we just do? We looked at what other people do and said, I want that. Now, there's some elements of this that we could see being helpful, but the reality is the better question would be, what has God gifted you to do? In what place, what area has God placed you? And then what passions has he given you? Our culture is horrible at this. First of all, social media. Social media is all about what? Reminding people that you are still happy. Some of you are more vocal, and that's a different story, but most people, what do you do, right? You don't put the McDonald's hamburger that you had. No, you put the steak that you had. You don't put the picture of yourself when you didn't look good. You put the picture of yourself when you did look good. Some of you do that. You don't even realize it. What do you say? No, not that one, not that one, not that one. Oh, that one, right? And so what social media has done is we always put our best foot forward. Now there's not necessarily anything wrong with that, but then what happens? We get on, right, because none of you do, but in case you did, every morning when you roll it out of bed, and you start scrolling through, and you start looking at all the things that people are, especially summertime, everyone's like in Hawaii and all these places, and you're looking at all this, and you're just going, Man, if I, I wish I could be there. Like, why can't I be there? Then you start thinking, why can't I be there? Because I don't have any money, because I have to work. I got a job. Why do I have a job? This is the dumbest job. My boss is even terrible, and I'm working at this, and all of a sudden your mind has run crazy. Now, that's not every time, of course, but what social media does is amp all of this up for us. In fact, did you know that most companies, their marketing strategy is to get you to covet? That's all they want to do. They want to get you to desire something that you don't have so that you will come to them and you will buy it. Genius. You think that's good? Check this out. Back in the day, I don't know the year, but back in the day, before they started putting all the items out on the floor, they used to store in a storefront all of the items in the back. And you would come to the desk, and there may be a few things out, but you would say, hey, do you have this? And they would go to the back, they would find it, and they would bring it to you. And then some genius somewhere got the idea, if I'll put everything out so that they can see it, then they're going to realize that they didn't have that, they didn't have that, they didn't have that, they didn't have that. And they need all four of those things. But if they never saw them, they wouldn't even think about it. And now in our culture, you can't even get on Facebook without them telling you something that you need to buy. Have you noticed that? The new infomercial is on Facebook. I can speak to this because I've been victim of it once or twice, okay? All right, it happens. Stop, Sarah. It happens, okay? All right? And so everywhere we look, what are they doing? They're showing you something that looks so good and makes you go, I need that. Now, when they just market an item, not too bad, but when they put it with other people and they say, basically, if you'll buy this car, you will look like that. If you eat this burger from McDonald's, you will look like that. They broke nine and 10, but that's okay, all right? The reality is this is what they do, and so we live in a culture that's saturated with this, and we wonder why it's such a struggle. In fact, some would argue, and I would agree, It's such a struggle that we don't even realize it's happening on such a daily basis. And if y'all remember from Dave Ramsey, man, debt, debt is not a debt problem. Debt is a coveting problem because you want more than what you have and you're willing to extend yourself to make it happen. So what's the point? What is God trying to say? What he wants us to see is he wants you and I to be grateful for what we have. It's okay to see something and go, man, that's, really cool. that's a great piano. I don't play the piano. I'm not interested in the piano. But that's a great-looking piano. It's another thing when we say, man, I don't have that, and I need that. I want that. I'm gonna, I need to make that. And we begin to let our mind run. And what happens is we become ungrateful. Listen, if you want something, go work really hard. Save up your money and buy it. What, it's one of the most rewarding things you can do. But don't let yourself get caught in looking at things you don't have and allowing Satan in your mind to run wild and to convince you that you need it. Why do most marital, extramarital affairs happen? Because they look across the fence and they see something that they think they need and they cross the line, only to get there, by the way, and realize it was not what they needed. And this goes on with all these things. Why do people steal? In fact. It's probably true to say that most of these commandments start with a coveting problem. Most sin starts with a coveting problem. I wanted that, so I took it. I wanted that, so I said this to make it happen. I wanted myself to be in charge of my life, so I took God out of his place, but my desire was to be my own God. The reality is we dig deep enough, we might find that coveting is the basis of all sin, or at least most of it. But here's what I want you to see. When we do this, when we covet, what happens is we tell God that what you've given us isn't enough. I remember when we were kids, I don't know how I remembered this. It popped in my head though as we were planning this little message. And I remember when we were kids, we were younger, I don't remember how old we were, but I have a brother and a sister, I'm the oldest. And my dad brought home three packs of Starburst. Anybody Starburst fans in the room? Three packs, and they were all different. So what does that mean? There was one original, but there were two others that were the like tropical or the you know extreme. I don't even remember what they were, but they were always good because they weren't the original that was available everywhere. It was the specialty ones, and I remember my dad brought those home and he said, "Okay, everybody, y'all get to pick one." And guess what? I got stuck with the original. First world problems, right? So terrible, <laughs> so terrible. But I remember I was so frustrated, I was so sad, and then I was mad, and then I was angry. And something happened at a little young age with my little mind. The Lord just, just got my attention. And I, I just, after my little fit, I started to feel so bad because I looked at my dad and I saw that he had taken a step to try to bless his children with a little bit more than we had. And I was so ungrateful because I got something more, but it wasn't as cool as what I wished that what my brother and my sister had. Now, I can tell you that my dad probably didn't have a broken heart over that, but I can tell you that it probably wasn't a fun experience, and that it probably hurt to know I went above and beyond to try to bless my kids, and oh my goodness, how ungrateful are they? Listen, that's what we do to God. When God says, I am thinking of you individually, taking care of, sending everything that you need your way. Are there some delays? You betcha. Are some of you broke right now? You betcha. Enjoy it. All right? All right. It's great because you're learning how to trust God and it'll make you so grateful when that money shows up because there's a lot of people that grew up with a lot of money and they've never, ever been thankful for because they've never had without. One of the greatest things that God does for you is to take something out of your life so that you might realize how special it is that you even have it. And this is what he's trying to show us. I want my children, I want you to be grateful no matter what, so that when I do bless you, you just go, wow, how amazing. God is so good to me and in the seasons when you go I don't have everything I'm missing this or um, I, they got engaged and I'm still single and you begin to think bad thoughts of course you'd never do anything but you're thinking it, it's a hard thing you're coveting by the way all right and you're looking at this going why and then someone else got a job and you're still looking for a job or they got the job and you just got a job and we look around and we're so frustrated and we're so angry when the reality is God's saying I, I'm taking care of you I am taking great care of you but I'm gonna let you learn a little bit along the way Isn't that good? Isn't it fun to be tested? And a resounding amen comes from the room. No, but it is the greatest thing that happens to us. Why? Because it shapes you and I to the men and women that we are to become. And guess what it does? It prepares us for the life that is coming. My sister-in-law is here. Carrie, she didn't know I was going to embarrass her, but I am. She's going on the world race here pretty soon. You leave like September and so she did the training for the world race. And they basically starved them and uh, for like three weeks and made them sleep intense. And I'm totally butchering that, I know. But what was the point? They were going through the worst experience because they wanted them to learn how to navigate in all of the different environments that they're going to find themselves in. Did they need to do that right now? No, they haven't even left for the trip yet. But they are preparing them for what's to come. And God's going to do that in our life sometimes. It's okay. In fact, it's a good thing. But at the end of the day, remember that our good God is always going to give us that which we need. And sometimes you and I just need to be broke a little bit, and that's okay. Sometimes you just need to get dumped, and that's okay. I think you should rejoice, but apparently y'all don't agree with me, so we'll move on to the next subject. But I'm just saying, our good God has always got us in his mind, and he's always working Here's what I want to leave you with. The whole, this whole idea, scripture, the law, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about this in a later time, but here's what I want you to see. This, this guide here, these 10 commandments for you and I to consider and to lay over our life and to just see how we're doing, these help us live life better, do they not? Is it a good thing not to commit adultery? It's a good thing. If you're struggling with that, please don't date anyone and don't get married until you figure that out, all right? It's a good thing. Is it a good thing not to steal? It's a good thing not to lie? Is it a good thing to keep God in his rightful place? All of these things are good things. These help us navigate life well. Praise the Lord that he was so clear in what he asked us to do. But they also remind us of one very important thing, and that is that all of of us here tonight, we could relate to lying because we are all liars. Every one of us, probably, I won't go too far on a limb, but probably all of us lied somehow, some way just today. So what these laws or these commandments do is they expose us for who you and I are, that we are imperfect. And maybe if you're new to the faith, you may go, why does he do this? Why does he put all these things in front of us that we can't even, I don't want to lie, but I I just find myself lying. I don't want to covet, but I didn't realize till tonight. I've been coveting about everything. Like, why does he put this in front of me? Because God has a plan. What's his plan? Here it is. God loves you. Jesus covers you, and the Holy Spirit changes you. These laws make you go, there's a problem in me. There's a problem in me. There's a problem in you. What's the solution? It's a loving God who says, I've put parameters here. But knowing that you're not going to be able to fulfill the parameters, I sent my son Jesus to cover you. To make sure that when you messed up, the weight of the world wasn't on you. But also... I sent the Holy Spirit to you that you wouldn't just sit in sin and go, well, I've been forgiven, so I guess it's not that big of a deal. We'll just keep on moving. No, God says I sent the Holy Spirit because I do want you to change. I want you to become more like me. So what I want to leave you with is this. Please don't look at this and go, well, pretty much never going to be able to not lie, so I'm not going to worry about this. Set a high standard in your life Ask the Lord to change you. But remember, whatever you've done in the past, whatever has been done today, Jesus Christ, as a believer in Jesus Christ for you in your chair, God has sent Jesus to cover that sin so that it would not be a burden, that it would not weigh you down, that it would not hold you back. But he has also sent the Holy Spirit that you and I would change into the men and women that God's called us to be. I think there's a breakdown in the middle here in our culture today. Either too many of us are just go, man, I'll never be perfect, so I'm not really that worried about as long as I have Jesus in my life, I'll be forgiven. And then there's others of us that we are so crazy legalistic, we have got to follow every law to the T. And if, if we miss one, we are demoralized and our life is over and I'm a failure, and I don't even think I can be a Christian. And really, there is this this balance that says, I want to aim high, but I'm grateful that there's a loving God that picks me up every time I fall. That's how I want you to see this. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ in your life, here's the honest truth. You have a problem because there has been no fix for you yet. But Jesus is extending his hand out just like he's done for many people in this room already, saying, I am here. To cover your sin. Have you ever thought about what that means for a minute? To just think think about everything you've done just today. And then think about just this week. Whatever you looked at, whatever you said, whatever you actually physically did. And then go, man, that's insane for just one week. There's kind of a lot going on. And then think about a month. And then think about a year and then begin to backtrack through your early years when you used to steal the little candy from the shop, but no one knew until now I just exposed you. All right? We begin to think about all of that, and you go, there is no way, there's no way that I could ever, how could I ever be different? I am, Man, my past is so dark, it's so heavy, there's so many things. And God says, I sent Jesus to die on the cross, a bloody, brutal death to cover the totality of sin, not just some of it, not just little pieces, not just the good little boys and girls, everything. What a marvelous thought, and what a marvelous truth, and I hope you've done something with that, and so if you haven't, maybe tonight you might. Let's pray.